Engaging Leader Podcast, episode 29, how to use DISC and birth order to be an engaging leader. Does your leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, leaders. I'm your host, Jesse Leahy. And I'm your co-host, Marty Leahy. That's right. My dad, Marty, has more than 25 years of experience in Fortune 500 leadership roles and as CFO of smaller organizations. And 10 years ago, he started up a restaurant and catering business that he still leads today. So dad brings a financial and operations perspective, which is a good balance to my background in leadership communication. Thanks, Jess. Well, today uh, we're going to talk about using disk profiles and understanding of birth orders and, and how we can use those to be more effective leaders. That's right. The reason we're looking at these is so we can understand ourselves better as leaders but also so that we can understand the people that we're leading and influencing better, both in order to kind of cut them some slack, if you will, but also so that we and they can play to our strengths. We can understand people's weaknesses, compensate for those, but and play to our strengths. And as we go through these, it's important to remember that there's no right or wrong answer. There's pluses and minuses to each of the four. And so we're going to talk about some of those pluses and minuses and how we can understand those to basically better engage the people on our team and to be more effective ourselves. Okay, let's let's start off uh, trying to understand uh, the first type, which is D-dominant. D, the, the D personality preference is sort of the born leader. They are, in fact, often driven. And if you think of your your typical oldest child who has the weight of the world on their shoulders, they're used to needing to keep the rest of the kids in line. Uh, They're very, a lot of them are type A. They have to get things done, have to make an impact in the world, have to leave their mark. The the family's going to go to ruin if they're not doing everything right, the overachiever. And this obviously has some strengths. They're, they're a natural leader. Whether they came up with the vision or somebody else did, they, they really own that vision, and they get the team moving ahead to that. Now, I just for example, I have, I'm probably primarily a D. I have a lot of D in me. I'm an oldest child. We're, not, we're recording this in mid-February. I have set five goals for myself for this quarter, and four of them are pretty much achieved, and so I'm bound and determined to, to achieve that last one by the end of the quarter. They're all, to me, extremely important goals. Bad things will happen if I don't <laughs> meet these goals. I, I would contrast that with, with my five goals for the next decade, <laughs> uh, which I set about five years ago, and I, I'm still working. I'm halfway through the first one. So. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, as you should. I can't, I'm amazed that you set goals. That's very impressive. The dominant person could also be a little bit the bull in the china shop, right? That's right. Some of the, the weaknesses, the potential weaknesses of the D is being less sympathetic to people's feelings, not having the emotional intelligence, let's say. Uh, my, my grandmother, for example, 
is a, a lovely person, very highly productive, has done so much good in her life. But a lot of people would say she can be the sort of a blunt, just sort of says it like it is, doesn't necessarily stop and think about how she's affecting people's feelings. And she would say she cares about people, but when it comes down to it, oh, but I'm not going to slow down and, and sort of be mamby-pamby with people. we got to get things done around here. That's yeah, tell it like it is. I uh, She is a great lady. I love her dearly, but she has left a trail of bodies. At- <laughs> well, I, the, the second one, which is I uh, for... Influencing. Influencing, yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, which is the, the one I, I tend to more relate to, I think. Yes. The I generally has great people skills and is very good at coming up with ideas and influencing people. And this is the classic youngest child, the baby of the family. They tend to get this way because everybody loves the, loves the baby of the family. And they just, from a very early age... They reveled in attention from people, and they found it very easy to interact with people of all different ages. They, 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 were, they don't have to be just with people of their own who are like themselves. You can put them in any group, and they will become the center of attention or, or, or at least navigate the group dynamics extremely well. They just have always done that. This is a good time to mention that people generally are not just one or the other. They're usually a mix of at least two, and sometimes even a third of these. So you, Dad, said that you are you see yourself primarily as an I, but you are not the baby of the family. You're actually a middle child of a large family. For a long time, you were the youngest boy in the family. It was, it was several years went by before your youngest brother came along. And so what you have is you were, in some ways, you were a functional youngest, a functional baby of the family. And psychologists will say, anytime there is mm, about five years or more gap between kids, that sort of starts things over. And so that's kind of where you pick up a lot of the eye. So the advantages of the eye are the great people skills, they're creative ideas, they're energetic, have a lot of energy and tend to get other people excited about ideas. Some of the weaknesses that you need to compensate if you're an I are you tend to not be very detail-oriented. You, you gloss over details. You don't think about the things that could go wrong with your great idea. And also, you have a, may have a, a short attention span. You're a shiny objects person. You know, the, you think of the, the Disney movie Up and the way that the, they could distract the dogs in that movie just by saying, squirrel, and the dogs would all go look, at, look for the squirrel. Yeah, and the I is also, you know, you can do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you going to do that? Someone might ask, and, and the response is, uh, I don't know, just watch. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like, I don't really know how I'm going to do that, but just watch. Eyes can often be less organized and can be late a lot. They show up to things late. Now, I, I am primarily a D, but I have a lot of I in me as well, and I have no idea. I'm Well, I, I was uh, I was not a, a baby of the family, but I there there was almost five years before my brother was born. So, in some ways, I was the oldest and the youngest, and and have some natural people skills as as a result of that. But I'm not a super late person, but I'm pretty reliable that I'm going to show up maybe five minutes late for any given meeting. Okay, let's uh, let's go on to the S here, which stands for steady, and this is one of the people as an I, that I tend to run into at times. <laughs> Somehow we uh, rub each other the wrong way. Why is that? Well, the steady, first of all, the strengths of a steady, they tend to be loyal, 
They tend to be calm. They tend to be investigative. Some of the weaknesses is they tend to have low energy. They're, they're, whereas an I gets excited about new ideas, the steady person s- sort of takes a wait and see approach. Or they're often sort of the wet blanket. And I run into this as well, just, similar to you. I come up with a great idea. The S yeah. says, I don't know if that's such a good idea. Or I might even uh, say, you know, I came up with this new topic that I want to speak about, and I'm going to put together a, a speech, and I share it with my Aspendale team, who has, they have a lot of S's on that team. And they say, say things like, are, do you, I mean, are you really qualified to talk about that? What, what do you have to say that people would want to know? That's because they, and they don't see themselves as having necessarily any brilliance that the world would want to know. You have to almost draw that out of them and say, well, look, you're the only one that nobody knows this as well as you. Yeah, I guess you're right. So why don't you stand up and tell people about that? Because people would want to hear. The steady, the S, often has the lower energy and, and can be kind of a pushover or doormat too. But I think, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but I think one of the strengths of a steady person is they're, they're, they're kind of, the, they can be like the, the anchor or the lightning rod or or maybe even the, the, the peacemaker. You know, sometimes, and I think as a middle child, I, I, I got picked up on that role. I find myself standing between two really different personalities sometimes, trying to, like, find common ground, you know, diffuse a situation where you've got a D ready to climb down the throat of, of a C or you know, because right. of whatever reason. And, you know, you kind of step in there and, and you start taking a few spears yourself and you deflect them because you, you can, you know, a shift on your feet, kind of that, that whole personality type, to me is, is, is one of the advantages an S has. S is a great personality type for so many attributes and, and the, the middle child or the S is, for one thing, makes a great spouse as well. It's the easiest type of person to be married to because they are peacemakers. Uh, when you say, what do you want to do tonight, honey? They're more likely to say, well, whatever you want to do. And who does? Who wouldn't like that unless you're, the, the, it's a little bit harder when there's two S's because then you're both saying, well, what do you want to do tonight, honey? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> or, or maybe one of the spouses is having a bad day and they, and they shoot a, a, a bullet at their spouse, not really meaning too much by it. And S can can you know dodge that or deflect it and not take it personally and, and, and start a big argument. They just kind of let it roll off their shoulders. That's, That's right. right. Now you and mom both have a lot of S in you. You're both middle children. You're more of an I S, and mom is probably a D S. But you have a lot of the S. On the other hand, my wife and I, neither of us have much S. We're both high D's. I'm a, I would be a D I, and she would be a D C, and so we tend to. To butt heads a lot. We have a great marriage, but we are more likely to get each other's hackles up. We're, we're, if, if one of us is having a bad day and we accidentally say something that we otherwise shouldn't, it's hard to give each other grace. The other person is more likely going to jump on you. So the S has definite strengths. Once upon a time, I heard about this really exciting opportunity that involved a lot of writing, but also involved what I thought involved creating uh, seminars and then co-teaching these seminars. thought it would be a great fit for me. So I went and, and applied for the job, got, uh, got to the interview stage, and they had me take a DISC profile. And I, of course, I came out high D. And, and I thought, that sounds great. I would think that would be a good fit for this. 
And they said, well, actually, I mean, you know, I'm not saying this isn't going to disqualify you because we don't set, these aren't necessarily super predictive, but it does say that your preferences may not be the best fit for how we're viewing this role. This is primarily a, a behind-the-scenes writing role, and generally S's are a better fit for that role. Now, it was helpful for them to understand that, hey, maybe I'm not the right fit. It was helpful for me to understand that that's how they were viewing the role. It was not at all what I was thinking. And so it was very much a mutual decision that, no, that's, uh, this is not a good fit for me. That's a great example. Well, let's move on. The last letter in this acronym is a C for conscientious. A conscientious person tends to be detail-oriented, analytical, and perfectionistic. This is, tends to be your only child, uh, often would be known as a super achiever. The strengths of this person are that they're often just, as I said, a super achiever. They get so much done. They can be a, a wonderful leader of an organization. They often will found a whole new organization. They'll start a company or they'll start a nonprofit. The weaknesses that this personality can have is that they can be perfectionistic. They can be anal retentive. They can be so perfectionistic that they drive other people crazy or they actually become procrastinators. Why should I start on this if it's not going to be perfect? If, you know, if, it's, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing 100% right. And if I can't do it 100% right, I'm not even going to get started. They can be discouraged and even depressed because of that perspective. So it can be a super achiever, but it can, it can definitely work against you. So when you look at the DISC and the birth order, one thing to keep in mind is generally people are a mix of, of one or two, so it's not an exact science. But I can often just guess, even just based on barely knowing people, by their job title. For example, there's an organization and, and their medical director, I easily guessed that he was a, an oldest child because he was leading this organization. Um, you know, t- Typically, the leaders would be the the D or the oldest children, often the salespeople or the public speakers or the ideas people, those are the babies of the family or the I, the influencers. The just really good team players are often the middle children, the steadies. And, you know, the analytical or the CFO of the group is often the the C or the, or the only ch- children. But you get confusing factors in there. For one, uh, blended families. If, if anybody's in a blended family, that can skew things up. In our own family, Dad, growing up, the baby of our family, my sister Chelsea, has uh, a lot of the I aspects to her. She's very energetic, very comfortable with people. But we adopted a family of four kids when Chelsea was still quite young. And so she became a functional firstborn in a lot of ways. And so you look at her now and you see a lot of those leadership capabilities that you might not have have guessed had you just known that she was originally the baby of the family. Yeah, that's a very good point. It was an abrupt change for her to go from baby of the family to, I mean, she not only was older than the four adopted kids, but her older brothers were were just in the process of leaving the nest. So she she was on top and alone. Yeah. The other thing that can make it a little bit difficult to guess, to do a quick read on people, is that middle children, are the, they are the hardest ones to read. And I'm not 100% sure why, but for one thing, middle children tend to dislike being categorized. They, they, don't, they don't even like the idea that we're, you're trying to put them into one of four boxes. That just 
you know, we said they're steady and so they're peacemakers, but they can also be the contrarians. If you think about in, in, in sort of the real stereotypical family where the oldest child was the overachiever, a lot of times the second born doesn't want to be anything like that oldest children. He want, you know, he or she wants to make their own mark. So they're they're like renegades. So even they don't they want to defy categorization. And so I often when I miss I just did it the other night. We were Aaron and I went to dinner with another couple. I correctly guessed that Nate it was a was a middle born and a steady and his wife I didn't know as well and so I just had to guess that she was an oldest. But no, she was a middle born. I also, there was a, a client group that we were out with and I was guessing personalities and the sort of lieutenant of the group, she, she wasn't the head of the department, but she was kind of the next in line, the lieutenant who's really in charge, running a lot of things. I guessed that she was an oldest because she had such a leadership role, but actually she was a middle that was more stepping into the leadership role. And once I recognized that, I could see the ways in which okay she yeah she doesn't she doesn't have some of those classic d tendencies so so that can be a little bit make it more difficult to read but you know being 80 or 90% accurate is very helpful in reading people and that's why the the it's just easier to guess people's birth order than it is to guess whether they're a d i s or c and so once you, and then it's easy to ask people too you can get hey are you a are you a middle child and they you know they can answer that and and if they if they if you dig into it and realize okay well I am a middle but there was six years between me and my brother and so then you can understand some of the complexities so it's it's easier to get a quick read you don't have to have someone fill out a, an assessment. Why is that helpful? One we already talked about it's helpful to know the strengths and to know the weaknesses so you can play to your strengths. It's a lot easier to go through life playing to your strengths, but also sometimes you want to compensate for your weaknesses. I'm a D. I need to work on my emotional intelligence a little bit. I, need, I can't be the bull in the china shop. And dad, you and I both have a lot of I, and so we can be excitable and gung-ho and energetic about ideas, but we need to be a little bit more careful on follow-through, analyzing which ideas are going to work, getting in, input from other people. And when you, when you, finally all agree on an idea, then see that through to completion. Don't be so quick to go on to the, something else. Well, sometimes an I, when they they run an idea against, uh, up against a steady, you know, they get shot down. Sometimes, you know, eyes will back off and, and shouldn't. They should be, you know, ex- almost expect that a steady is going to turn their nose up on the idea, use them as a sounding board, uh, learn from their reaction, but don't necessarily take it at face value. That's right. I just last week was talking to my team about a new uh, keynote idea that I had and kind of got the, I don't know that you're really qualified to talk about that, and I started to get disappointed. And then I remembered, oh, wait a minute, we're I'm an I, they're an S. Let, let's not throw this away so quickly. So we actually scheduled uh, a, a time later on to this afternoon, actually, where we're going to look at this in more detail and decide, are there points valid that they're questioning, should I not really try to be an authority on this subject, or should I go bone up on some of those areas where maybe I'm lacking? But don't just throw it away because that's just their personality. They're going to be slow to embrace a new idea. I mean, it's it's really a great, almost natural order, if you will. I mean, it's kind of a call to the, the influencing type to 
do their homework, you know, do some research, you know, make sure, you know, even if you are a visionary and, and you're moving on a very exciting path, still you have to do your due diligence. And sometimes you can rely on studies or even conscientious people to help you data check yourself a little bit. So it's helpful to understand strengths and weaknesses. It's also helpful to lead other people when you can read them and understand them. In other words, first of all, cutting them some slack. And I think the birth order layer on top of that, to me, helps me cut people slack some more. If I come to the realization that Bill is a D, and you know Bill's going to be dominant, and he's a driver, and he's type A, and I can say, okay, but that doesn't mean I need to, I need to give him too much space, or that's his problem, not mine, right? Well, it's, for some reason, it helps me to say, well, Bill was an oldest child, and he's got some of that weight of the world on his shoulder. I, I, there's something about that that, to me, it helps me cut him some slack. And I can appreciate his strengths, and I can give him some space for his weaknesses. And same thing with the other personalities. My sister Chelsea, who we said was the baby of the family, she heard uh, me and my oldest son, JJ, talking about this topic to an audience. And, of course, we're both, JJ and I are both the oldest children, and we were not making the case that the Ds or the oldest children are the best, because we both believe that they all have strengths and weaknesses. But JJ and I are not going to talk about this topic without it sort of secretly coming through that we're darn glad we're Ds, right? (laughs) But Chelsea listened to that and later sent me an email and said, oh, that was so great hearing you guys talk about it. I'm so excited to learn that stuff. And you know, with my oldest daughter, uh, Cosette, I, now I know I need to be really careful with her and not have this weight of the world on her shoulders and not damage her in that way. <laughs> so where JJ and I are thinking it's an advantage to be a D, and she's thinking, oh, those poor Ds, I feel so sorry for them. If only everybody could be the eyes, the, the babies of the family like me. So everybody's going to have your own preferences. So this insight into these personality types not, not only uh, allows you to understand yourself better and to work on your strengths and weaknesses and, and how you're coming across to people, but also makes you a more effective leader by understanding the people around you and, and how to compensate for maybe some of their uh, heavy strengths or, or some of their weaknesses and, and make the, 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 the environment overall more productive because you know, you're, you're using the best that people have to bring, you're, you're working together in this sort of natural order of things and really getting a lot more done. That's right. And these are personality preferences. This is not like a, a definite test on how you're wired or anything like that. And it, it's not predictive necessarily. So for example, just because you're an I, I should not assume that you're going to be a good salesperson. Or that if you're an S, you're not going to be a good salesperson. There are good, great salespeople from every of each of the four personality profiles. And there are eyes that would make lousy salespeople. So, so you can't necessarily read some button and then predict things about them. But you can better understand them. And one way that's helpful to under, understand people is, is the notion of speed. Speed in terms of decision making and speed in terms of actions. And... The S's and the C's tend to be slower decision makers. They prefer slow speed. The D's and the I's tend to be faster. 
So where, the way this plays out, and we we just heard on uh, episode 26, Kent Julian uh, talk about public speaking, and he talks about the DISC profiles a lot. And a lot of his speaking is in the educational sector. So he's working with teachers a lot. And teachers tend to be, on average, they're S's, they're steadies. And he will explain this this notion about how the S's and the C's tend to make slower decisions. And all the these teachers start nodding to each other and say, yeah, see, that's why we're better, because we make slower, more deliberate decisions. We're more careful. We don't make the mistakes. Right. Now, you and I, Dad, we're with the I in us and, and the D in me. I'm thinking, oh, see, I make better decisions because it's faster. We you know, think a faster decision tends to be a better one. And so Kent always says, no, wait a minute. I didn't say better. I said slower, more deliberate. Or if he's talking to I's and D's, he's going to wait a minute. I didn't say better. I said faster. And there's a there's a not necessarily a right or a wrong. There's there's pros and cons to both. You know, many of us have served on nonprofit boards, and, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I'm just I'm one of those antsy people sitting around. You know, let's let's just make this let's just decide this and move on. And you always got somebody that wants to talk about the rules of Robert, whoever that guy <laughs> is. If I ever find him, I'm going to strangle him. But but they slow you down, you know. And they say, no, there's a process we have to go through to think this through, and we got to follow this and that and committee this and we need a motion we have to discuss and you know and i'm the guy that's kind of like i could make this decision in my business before breakfast you know right (laughs) (laughs) we hate making decisions by committee but if you can understand that there's both are okay and appreciate okay i'm I'm working with some people who are a little bit slower decision makers and that's not bad And, and rather than get frustrated rather than have a performance management conversation with them now, Joe, you really need to be make faster decisions. Appreciate that that's who they are, and there's some good things about that. And take what's good about you, your strengths, play to those, and let those people play, play to theirs, and give them positive feedback about that stuff. That's part of being an engaging leader. Mm-hmm. All right, leaders, for those of you who are more visual, we've created a short video of the four DISC profiles and how they relate to the four primary birth orders. And we go into a little more detail about how they differ in speed and focus. We'll put a link to that video in the show notes for this podcast episode, which you'll find at engagingleader.com forward slash 22. Also on our show notes page, we'll provide a link to a great book on the topic of DISC and birth order. It's called The Birth Order Book by the psychologist, Dr. Kevin Lehman. And while you're on the show notes page, feel free to provide your thoughts or questions in the comments section. Or you can connect with us at the Facebook page for Engaging Leader. By the way, thank you to John from Washington, Virginia from New Jersey, Matt from New Mexico, and Naaman from West Virginia for liking our page and helping get the word out. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, James Marler, our sound engineer, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Christopher Seal, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, whether you realize it or not, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of our opportunities to engage the people we care about. We'll be right back.